Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Ozdan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Hi, Amy. And Andrea Smith, technology guru extraordinaire. Hi, Andrea. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. Are your cats with you? <laughs> uh, they are, actually. The orange one is curled up in his little bed right behind the monitor. Someday he's going to be a guest. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um, on today's show, we thought we would talk about especially since Black Friday is coming up and have a feeling it's going to be a popular gift. We were talking about Alexa and kids. And this obviously is not just about Alexa. It's also about Google Home. What is Apple HomePod? Is that what it's called? HomePod. And now there's that new weird Facebook one, Portal. Oh, Portal. I saw it in the store the other day. It's huge. Totally creepy and follows you around and just weird. Um, but we are going to be talking about how kids are relating to these new devices because they are. Um, and we have a special guest with us today, Samantha Murphy of CNN, who just wrote a great piece um, on CNN Business, Growing Up with Alexa, A Child's Relationship with Amazon's Voice Assistant. So we're going to have that call with Samantha, and then we're going to jump into our Bites of the Week. Stay tuned. And we're back with Samantha Murphy-Kelly of CNN. She's CNN's tech editor, and I'm really excited to have her on with us because uh, Sam and I worked together a few years ago when we were both at Mashable. So I love seeing the great things that she's doing at CNN. Sam, welcome. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. So I've been reading your stories, but I absolutely love a recent story that you did. We all loved it. Growing up with Alexa, a child's relationship with Amazon's voice assistant. And what's so great about this is it's so interesting seeing people who, um, who have younger kids who are really seeing how technology is becoming a part of their lives so young. Now, your son is, what, 20, 21 months old? Yep, exactly, 21 months. And so this must be like a whole new world for you, aside from oh having God. a baby. Yeah, exactly. So um, I've been kind of covering the smart assistant space for years and years, and um, we've had an Amazon Echo and Alexa in our home for quite a while. But it's interesting sort of how now that we have a new little guy in our lives, how he is starting to interact um, with this type of technology. And in my story, I kind of go into how the first four words that he ever really understood, I mean, this was before he you know, was talking, but the first words that he understood were mom, dad, and cat, of course, like the core family. And Alexa was the fourth word that he understood. So I think just that in itself really shows um, kind of this whole new world that we're getting into. That's incredible. I mean, and, and he, he probably recognizes that when you say Alexa, something happens. Exactly. So I can remember the first time it happened. Again, we were saying Alexa all the time, especially uh, for music or podcasts. You know, even when I was on maternity leave, I was always playing something in the background. Uh, but there was one night where he was in his high chair and I was giving him spaghetti and he had sauce all over his face. And, and I said, Alexa, to turn on the music. And um, this time he actually turned and completely knew where the sound, he knew sound was going to uh, start at any second and knew exactly where it was coming from. Um, and that was such a profound moment, really kind of like his acknowledgement of, of what was about to happen. I love the idea that maybe he thought the plant was doing it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was exactly. the plant. 
<laughs> totally. We had, um, we actually have uh, Amazon Echo like high up on a bookcase because we have a cat that likes to kind of poke around at things. And we had the plant up there too. So he didn't eat the plant. Um, but because of the way it was positioned, the Amazon Echo was right behind the plant. So I always thought that he thought the plant was speaking. Um, and I think, you know, he's older now. So we've moved beyond that. But for a while, I definitely wasn't sure. <laughs> You know, one of the things you talk about and that some of the experts in the article bring up is that these were not designed for children, but because these companies are seeing that people are interacting and using these devices for their children by telling stories and podcasts and all that, they are starting to build child-friendly content into these devices. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's lots of different, you know, podcasts for kids or songs and playlists and even games. I know Disney and the Cars franchise is getting involved, too. Um, so there's been a lot of, I mean, there's been some research, but more research certainly needs to be conducted on this type of thing. Um, but I think it's really important to keep in mind that these what's happening isn't like a replacement for human interaction it can like supplement maybe if you don't want to have your kid in front of the tv and you need a break or you want him or her to learn in a different way you can kind of put on these different things but it's sort of like tv where it's passive learning so i would say my son certainly hasn't learned how to talk um you know because of alexa but the understanding was there pretty early on and sort of in my piece i, I talked to a bunch of different experts and um it was really interesting interesting because, um, you know, originally I kind of was digging around on Twitter and, and I noticed that I wasn't alone, that some people also said that their kids pretty early on were understanding the word Alexa. And there was some, you know, criticism or a backlash of people kind of saying, oh, I doubt, you know, it makes for, you know, an interesting talking point, but I highly doubt that that's really the case. But, you know, in, in our case, of course, it was true, but, um, you know, experts are saying that any word that you're really repeating a lot is a very strong candidate for an early word for a kid. So you might have a dog named, you know, Scruffy. Scruffy might not be, you know, uh, one of those early words like milk or mom or something like that. But if you're saying it a lot, then these kids are going to be um, understanding and kind of picking up on what it, what it means. So sort of, um, like almost like a jack-in-the-box in a way where you can say Alexa and then all of a sudden the device kind of lights up, it starts to speak, and that really encourages kids to interact with these devices and there's more of an incentive for them to uh, want to, you know, either look or play with it. Um, so that sort of, you know, goes back to the innate curiosity that a lot of kids have. I, I think the weirdest part about it for me is that I can remember being a little kid and being totally confused by the TV. Like I couldn't figure out if there was something inside of it that was alive. I was maybe not a very smart kid. I don't know, but like it, I can remember being so baffled by what was happening. And I can only imagine that if the TV were actually interacting with me, my confusion would have been a million times worse. Like, I just kind of wonder how kids process this and at what point they realize that it's not a little person in there. 
Totally. And that was some of the things that I kind of uncovered while I was researching too, that, you know, a lot of kids are trying to figure out, you know, what exactly is happening and, and is there a little person living inside of there or is it like a telephone, but there's not, you know, you're having an exchange, but it's not the quite, um, the richness of a conversation that you're having sort of like with the TV again, it's pretty passive, but if you are reading a book to a child, obviously, um, you're going to take pauses and you're going to um, say, oh, you know, look at this lion. Remember when we went to the zoo, we just saw a lion and it kind of becomes more um, personal and um, just like richer in general. And I think that's sort of to your point too, that, you know, it's these sort of stagnant devices that they do one thing, but they don't necessarily engage. And I still think that there are limitations. Um, You know, it'll be really interesting in the next few years where these type of devices will take us, but I don't know if we'll ever really get to a point where, you know, you're having a, a meaningful conversation with these, with these devices. That's what's so fascinating. I mean, you say, as you point out, this is the first generation to grow up with ubiquitous AI, a world in which almost any question answered, item purchased, or whim fulfilled is possible with a command of Alexa or OK Google or Hey Siri. I mean, you know, the thought of where kids are going to be a few years from now, just being able to command their world by by saying that is fascinating. Did any of the experts that you talked to address that? Yes, for sure. Um, You know, it also kind of brings in um, an interesting point about how you treat um, AI, especially for kids, too, because right now I'm sort of, you know, I'm making dinner and I'm like, Alexa, set the timer, Alexa, do this. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to help it kind of go on with my evening. But, um, you know, sometimes I notice now that I'm trying to teach my kid manners, I'll say, you know, thank you. And I'll make sure that I'm not barking orders at Alexa. Um, And I think that's really important, too, because, you know, you're trying to set an example for your kids. um, And also, you know, these this technology is kind of programmed to meet your needs. But um, I think it's really important, um, like manners, for sure. And I think that there are certain software um, that some of the companies are working on, too, to um, respond you know, if, if you do say please or something like that, like to almost reinforce that behavior from people. But I, I definitely think it's a talking point. And, you know, sort of the ubiquitous standpoint of what you mentioned, it's funny, I remember like maybe, I guess maybe it was like five or six years ago at, at this point. I remember on YouTube, there was a viral video of a little baby who, I mean, I don't know how old, must have been less than a year old, that was very comfortably using an iPad. And later they were showing, they gave the baby like a magazine and how they were trying to like swipe to the next page. And I remember being totally blown away by that, that how they thought that the magazine was um, an iPad. And we have a book right now, um, the last page, it's, you know, filled with animals, but at the very last page, it was a gift from somebody. There's a picture of my son's face. And whenever we get to that picture, he goes to it and he tries to like swipe his face, which is, I mean, that was one of the things he did really early on. Um, and I think, you know, if this is, that's such a simple thing and with, um, you know, AI is much more complex and, you know, there's more interacting involved and language. Um, and it's just kind of fascinating how they can pick up on something like that so early on and what that will mean as, as they grow up with it and, you know, in the next few years. 
I have talked about that very video of the baby <laughs> trying to swipe and pinch and zoom magazines and because I'm like equally horrified and fascinated yeah. and entertained by it. Totally. Yeah, for sure. I just remember being so blown away by it. And now it's almost like, you know, of course, like, why wouldn't they? Um, plus, you know, kids always want what their parents are kind of playing around with anyway. So uh, it only, you know, makes sense that, you know, Alexa and these speakers are like the next generation of it. So funny. I remember, you know, when we I remember watching The Breakfast Club with my niece years ago when she was um, 12 and her asking what the cassette tape was in the scene <laughs> on the music. And and then we thought that was so hilarious because, of course, she was just used to an iPod. Mm. So it wasn't even like she was used to streaming. She wasn't. There was no streaming yet. Um and how quickly in just that span of, I guess it's eight years, that has become the default way kids are listening to music that you, and then it went from that to just asking your smart speaker to play the music. So now you don't even stream, on your, you know, I mean, right. these things that have happened in the span of eight years that the difference between being a baby now or a two-year-old now and just a two-year-old eight years ago is so drastically different. It makes you wonder what the next, you know, five, six, ten years are going to look like, how rapidly this has changed and how much AI is going to evolve because they're just getting all of this information from all of us. Right. As we're using these things, um, which is why they're developing things for kids, because they see that parents were asking for children's music. Right? I think they said children's music was the number one music category um, with the, with Alexa, which is so fascinating to me, which is obviously why they developed the family, the kid-friendly dot. <laughs> they weren't stupid. They realized it. Um, but I wonder if anyone you spoke to kind of touched on where they think this is going or sort of the potential up and downsides. Sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is certainly up for debate because, you know, just like any technology in general, it's up to, you know, the parent, of course, what they want to introduce in their lives. But I think, you know, the next what we're going to be seeing more is, um, you know, I think kids are trying to understand, again, sort of it goes back to are there is there a living person inside of these gadgets and what that means for having emotions and being able to almost like form a friendship with these um, devices. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I heard recently that um, more and more people are, and of course, Alexa isn't quite there yet, but more people are starting to experiment with asking these um, AI uh, questions about like their dating life or, you know, advice, almost like a therapist. And um, it'll be interesting to see how artificial intelligence kind of grows with um, sort of what people are looking for more. But again, like I said, I highly doubt, you know, it, it will never really replace that sort of human interaction. If you're having a gloomy day, you know, you probably want to talk to a good friend and not just, you know, your the AI hiding behind your your plant there. <laughs> right. Although that brings up an interesting um, dilemma that I think these companies are dealing with, because if you look on your Alexa app, you can see every request and question that was asked of Alexa. Mm -hmm. um, so as a parent, if your child comes home and asks Alexa, what do I do about a bully? Or, you know, when should I have my first kiss? Or am I normal? Or any of those questions, you as a parent can actually see that um, in that app. And it that does bring up an interesting privacy 
um, you know, in this time of parents being accused of being helicopter parents or whatever, it is a window, right, into what your child is thinking, or I guess what anyone in your family is thinking. And I wonder how they're going to evolve that. Um, because it, it does bring up really interesting issues other than just figuring out how the AI is going to answer. Um, you know, do you alert a parent that your child has asked that question? Do you just let it sit there? Do you have privacy controls where you can say, you know, don't record everything I'm saying in this app, you know, things like that. I think that's such a good point. And, you know, tech companies more and more, any company, you know, especially these days have a such a big responsibility to its users we're seeing it more you know a few years ago um you know everyone kind of thought of these tech companies they were just completely uh you know in awe over the things that they were developing and what they could do and the potential and we all kind of had you know starry eyes to be kind of covering the space and now it is much more of a subdued um you know critical look at the the industry in general because especially you know you even think of like facebook and cambridge analytica and the you know there's just so many different things that are happening in the responsibility and the trust too so if you have something so personal in your home that's sitting there uh you know and has access to your family members um you want to make sure that these devices are doing um, good by you. And that, you know, of course, especially if there's a, you know, always on microphone. And now we have, you know, the Facebook portal that just came out, which is really interesting timing, considering all the issues that they've had recently. <laughs> and that has, uh, it has a not only a microphone, but a video too. So it's like, do you trust these companies to have something, you know, kind of in your home at all times, but also how you interact with it and making sure that when you're not home, that they're giving, you know, proper guidance, especially if your kids are using it. So I think that's a really good point you bring up. It's, it's very, have you, what did, after you wrote this, did you take away anything from how you use Alexa in your home and how you, besides the manners, <laughs> but yeah. how, how you've been thinking about it more in terms of your child? Yeah. It's funny. I got a lot of different types of feedback after this story. Some people were like, oh, I'm totally doing the same thing. And I've noticed it with my kids too, even earlier on how they recognize it. So I definitely think that there are, this is something that's increasingly common among parents that they're noticing uh, more and more with their kids. Um, I also got a lot of interesting feedback from parents too about how, you know, whether I should be exposing my kid to something like this um, and whether or not, you know, music is one thing, but like, should I be telling Alexa to turn on my lights? Like, why don't I just get off the couch and do it myself? And I <laughs> I'm saying I worked all day. I don't want to, if yeah. I have something that can help me, like, you know, I'll be a better parent for it if I can just sit just an extra minute. Um, so I think, you know, it's a lot of people have different opinions, but they will about everything. And I think, you know, some people don't, you know, allow TV in their homes or they do, you know, for educational things. So maybe, um, some people might have a balance of saying, oh, you know, I can let my kid listen to maybe a car's, um, you know, playlist or, or content on the on the Echo Dot, which also has like more restrictions for kids, too. Um, and then other 
people are a little bit more laid back. So I think for me personally, I think it just made me more aware of that this is actually a choice. It was so commonplace. It was so a part of our day. And I didn't even think almost anything of it, honestly, until I kind of took a step back and said, wow, something is like actually happening in our home and I'm introducing this and he's reacting to it. So I think I'm just a little bit more aware that this is a decision. Um, and I think that, you know, it's interesting because more and more these I mean, now even how homes are being built with um, like Apple HomeKit built in. So before you move into a house, you can have like infrastructure kind of set into place. So then when you move in, you have, you know, your microwave can talk to your dishwasher or something like that. And you just kind of, you know, it's a part of the, the base of what you're moving into. And I think this is only going to continue and our next generation of kids, they will have more access to this. So I think it will be ubiquitous, Andrea, like you said, too. Um, but I also think at this point, it's still very much a decision. And it's all about whether or not you feel comfortable with these devices in your home or not. <laughs> I think that's so spot on. And being aware of the decision, I think, is key. You know, as you say, I mean, you have to know what you're doing and know what the potential is. Um, so this is great. This conversation is like scary, fascinating, <laughs> interesting, <laughs> creepy, all wrapped up in one. Before we let you go, Sam, um, I have to ask you because you are very techie and I'm sure you've got lots of smart home things and, okay. and use technology more than the average person. Does that change anything about the way you think? think you're going to parent your son? And I say think because we all know that sometimes, you know, what you think you're going to do and what you do changes drastically. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, I mean, probably it's one of those things that I'm still trying to figure out um, you know, day by day. And I almost need to take a step back and almost have some downtime to really think about this. It's like, we're just trying to get through the day sometimes of, you know, running to work and making dinner and, and, um, you know, making sure, you know, he's happy and healthy and things like that too. And I think it's really important to, to take a step back and make sure that you're making, like we said, the right decisions. Um, I think that there are certain things too, like, again, to go back to the new Facebook portal that just came out, it's basically almost like a tab. It looks like a tablet on this little stand and it's almost like um, FaceTime, but you can also contact your, your contacts. Um, but it's great because it also puts like the filters over the kids. So like, for example, like my, my son could call, you know, his grandmother and like, the a filter of like a cat will like overlay over his head which is so fun and adorable and it gets them into it a little bit more it's on a bigger street a uh, bigger screen than you know a ipad or a phone so in that way it's like you know it's great for certain things for communication but i think you know i have to be thoughtful um for a time and a place because it's not something that I always want to have, but it's like, if it's, if it's time to call grandma, something like this might be really fun. And especially if my mother were to get, you know, something like that too. Although I personally feel a little uneasy about having a Facebook device in my home right now. Um, I think that that would be really great for her too, because then they can interact with these like filters and kind of have this experience long distance when they're not able to see each other all the time. So I think it'll certainly be, uh, you know, an interesting few years as more of these devices and get smarter and more of them in general come out from different companies. 
Right. And we're heading into Black Friday. So we know <laughs> this is going to be, I mean, I think you said in your article, there will be more than 50 million smart home devices by the end of this year. Worldwide. Yeah. That's crazy. And then I'm sure yet again, Amazon's going to do some kind of insane, right, promotion. Um, and I'm sure Google will too. But it is a, a major gift that either people buy for themselves or buy for other people. Like it just seems like a no brainer because it's fun and most people just use it for music, but they do have to think about it a little deeper, I think. Totally. And it transcends ages too. Obviously there are use cases for kids and for parents, but I mean, even the elderly and um, students, I mean, it's very versatile. And I think that is helping its adoption for sure too. Yeah. And it's funny, we all turned ours off before we started recording. And I mean, I think Rebecca and I both had to turn off multiple, <laughs> multiple it's, devices. It's like scary when you walk around and do it. You're like, oh, this is pathetic. Like, yeah, why, really is, why is there one in every room? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Samantha Murphy Kelly, tech editor at CNN. Fascinating article. Thank you for being on this kind of stuff. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Really appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing. So thanks again. It was a pleasure. All right, we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what you got? So I feel weird even recommending this because I hate parts of it, but the parts that I like, I like so much that it kind of makes up for the parts that I hate. So it's called The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. And it's a Netflix show. It's a six-part miniseries. And it came out just before Halloween. So it's very spooky Halloween-themed, whatever. You, you can pretend you're watching Nightmare Before Christmas and just watch it. Um, but the thing is, it's part baking show and part Jim Henson puppet drama horror. And the baking parts are absolutely amazing it's not just baking it's also like crafting and sewing this woman christine mcconnell is like a renaissance woman of horror and she can like make anything bake anything make these creepy realistic things and she shows you how to do it she doesn't go into such step-by-step -step detail that you could be like a complete novice and do this stuff but if you know what you're doing a little bit you can you can figure out how to do it so that part's great. She makes the most incredible creations, and I want to make everything that she has made. But interspersed with that is like this weird drama about the creatures that live in her house. And <laughs> yeah, like, okay, <laughs> one of them is homicidal. They're all kind of crazy. There's like this giant, you know, monster. It's. And they do all these really weird things and the humor is so corny and sometimes really gross. And I just, I, that's not the show I want. I want the baking stuff and the right. crafting stuff. I don't want any. And the thing is like, it's really well done. Like the creatures are fantastic. It's by Jim Henson, like an arm of the Jim Henson company. Um, and the voices are great. It's it's not that it isn't well done, but it's just not the show I want. Um, I've watched four out of the six episodes. I think when I watch the last two, I'm just going to fast forward through those parts and pretend they don't exist. And just because it's it's very segmented, like she'll stop and she'll do a presentation of what she's making for like 10 minutes and then go back to interacting with these creatures. So 
<laughs> sounds kind of bizarre, Amy. So it's, weird. <laughs> it's incredibly bizarre, but it's also wonderful. And you should also check out Christine McConnell's Instagram because that's how she got this deal in the first place. Like a few years ago, she became really famous on Instagram for her creations and just had people beating down her door to get her on TV. So, um, yeah. Wait, did she also have all these creatures like in her imagination on her Instagram or that just became a weird thing they developed? That just that just became a weird thing that they developed from the show as far as I can tell. So, and she's in it. Like she loves it. She she thinks right. that this is like, you know, craziness come to life. Um but yeah, that that part just it's not doing it for me, but every other part of it is so great and the things that she makes you will just you will not believe it it's incredible it's like like the most amazing things that they've ever made on the great british bake-off times a hundred mixed with a horror movie hilarious <laughs> okay <laughs> all right andrea i would skip through I, I would skip through and just watch the baking stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay um so since we're coming up on black friday and holiday shopping time um, I don't, you know, not a lot of people actually use Firefox as a browser, um, but Firefox is a browser. It's actually, I do use it sometimes when my Google Chrome doesn't work well. Um, and the company that runs Firefox is called Mozilla. It's a nonprofit company called Mozilla. Um, and they have put out something called Privacy Not Included. And it's a list of toys and holiday gifts um, and they've rated them based on how creepy they are in terms of spying on you. Oh, that's awesome. Huh. And it's like, it, I mean, it's, you know, teddy bears that connect to the Internet, speakers, of course, your smart, smart speakers. So basically they said, can this product spy on me? Is it tracking my location? And can I control the data it collects about me? And they've got a whole list. We'll include a link to it. They have a list and they have a creep-o-meter with sections. <laughs> so they have a section called Very Creepy. You guys, hands down, you know what's number one and very creepy. Basically, any Amazon product that you have in the house. Wow. <laughs> very creepy. Um, a Nest Cam, which I thought was interesting because I, I didn't think Nest was one of the ones that you couldn't control the privacy. But I guess now that they're owned by Google, they're a little more creepy, right? In terms of what they do with your data. Wow. Somewhat creepy video cameras, um, video cameras for pets like the Pet Cube and the Furbo. Wonder Workshop is in there. I wow. Don't, I, yeah. Their uh, dot and dash robot toy is in there for really? some. Yep. I'm and shocked. And Spin Bike is in there. So I don't know what they're doing while you're spinning, but that's <laughs> somewhat. And then the ones that are a little creepy, I was surprised at because I always thought it was so creepy if my son was playing Xbox online with a stranger. But I guess mm -hmm. that's the creepy part. But the data and the privacy, that's a little creepy. So those are actually, you know, better, I guess, if you want to call right. it Right. Those are only creepy because of creepy people. Right. <laughs> but not the actual company. Exactly. It's the creepy people. It's not the data that it collects on right. you and whether or not you can control it. So it's so really fun. You have to go, yeah. you have to go see it. And there's a whole list there. So when you're doing your holiday shopping, uh, in fact, their super creepy is just one baby monitor, one in particular. So, you know, if that's something you want to consider, which I think it is, take a look at it. Wow, I love that. And I almost I kind of don't want to look at it. But I love 
Um, okay, so my bite has nothing to do with any of those things. It's an article um, in the Atlantic this month called The Sex Recession is Here. And it's about young people having less sex than previous generations. And this isn't so new, except what's new is the degree of it is unbelievable. Um, and it's not just sex. It's um, first kisses. It's kissing. It's having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. And I think anecdotally, everyone with kids this age, um, preteen through early 20s, knows this, right? I, it's a conversation my friends and I have all the time is how shocking it is, how few kids have boyfriends or girlfriends. Like they're like the rarities and that there is not also a hookup culture. Like that's the myth and actually hookup culture when that was like the big scam, you know, scare about campus hookup culture. It was actually totally full of it. It was actually not really happening. It was a media made up thing. And that the percentage of kids, the age of losing their virginity has gone up and up steadily over each decade. Um, and it's tracking people. This is what was so fascinating. It's tracking through their 20s and 30s. So because people are living with their parents longer, Ugh. people are staying single longer. Um, this whole myth of like being single and like hooking up with everyone is totally false. Um, dating apps have made sex less common that it's people have said it's like gamified the relationship. So it's just about the swipe. And then half the time people don't even want to follow through and meet. It's just about the game of the actual swiping and see who you match with. And then they don't even know what to do when they do meet in person. And then the saddest part of this whole article, I'm telling you, it's the most fascinating article. And I don't know what it means for the future of mankind, but it wasn't good because it's about how the birth rate has been declining so much. Yeah, it means um, I'm never going to have grandchildren. Yeah, you're <laughs> never having grandchildren. Well, your son had, has, has had serious girlfriends. Your son is actually like an anomaly. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, I'll have to tell him that. Yeah, one of the things they talk about is that because people are so used to online dating apps now that if someone tries to pick someone up in a bar like the normal way like just start a conversation they're automatically seen as creepy wow that that's like creepy and weird so why is this guy talking to me like instead of so people don't even know how to flirt right because like, these kids didn't grow up talking to each other no. they all texted each other they texted and they the d whole dating app thing that people want to like see people's bio see what they look like see their interests see everything like there's no room for just having this conversation and when they hear these stories about people who just like met in an elevator and started chatting people are like what like that's crazy <laughs> And, um, but 60% of adults under 35 live without a spouse or partner. And one in three adults in that age range live with their parents. Wow. Like talk about crushing your sex life, right? Like <laughs> living with parents and that people just don't want to go out. They just, and then of course it goes into porn and what porn has done, which is horrible. Um, and how what's happening is a lot of women who have had bad sexual experiences, not even just like abuse and things like that, but just like bad sexual experiences because all these boys are watching so much porn and thinking that's what they're supposed to do, that they're having so much bad sex that women are like, not worth it, just not worth it. Like rather just sit on my couch, drinking wine, watching Netflix, invite my friends over and like swipe through Tinder and be like, ha ha, look, I matched with that person. 
That is I so mean, sad. So sad. sad. It's so sad. And it's an unbelievably fascinating article. Like I cannot recommend it enough. I'm trying to think about whether I want to send it to my daughters yet. I don't think maybe they're too young at 16, but maybe not because one of the things it talks about is like, you have to, you have to buck this trend, right? Like you have to like talk to members of the opposite sex or the same sex. If you're, you know, like whichever way you're inclined, like make a relationship with someone. And, and it also said this article was very clear. This is very much a heterosexual study. They haven't done enough of a deep dive to see if this is also affecting homosexual relationships or bisexual relationships, but it's um, crazy fascinating, like fascinating and sad. And I hope it doesn't I hope it doesn't pretend really horrible things for this generation of feeling more and more isolated and lonely. Um, Cause that's, that's sort of what it seems like. Like, and then it says, if you don't I think it's something like, if you don't lose your virginity by 25, your chance of losing it in the next 10 years is like nothing. Like, I mean, it was weird. It was like, almost like you get scared and you shut down. Oh my God. Then you become like a crazy incel. Yeah, that well, that's they talk about that in this article, actually. Wow. And so isn't that crazy? Like, so depressing. So depressing. And I thought it was so depressing that this idea that someone could talk to you in a bar out of nowhere, because they think you're handsome or pretty or whatever. And that's just automatically creepy is so sad. You know, it's funny. My son has said he's a bartender. And he talks to people all the time. And I guess maybe he's just not aware when people are flirting or maybe because he has a girlfriend, he, he doesn't pick up on it. But I mean, girls have actually, when they sign their check, write their phone number. Hmm. And, That's you know, hilarious. they just say like, it was great chatting with you. And they write their name and their phone number on the receipt. And I'm like, dude, they're flirting with you. Right. They want you to text them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, because he's a known entity. They know where he is. They know that he has a job. He's not right. just like the random right. guy in the bar. He's safe. It's so interesting. But they he said, doesn't see it as flirting, I guess. No, he sees it as like, what is, what the hell? Why are you talking <laughs> to me? <laughs> they said um, 17% of Americans age 18 to 29 believe that a man inviting a woman out for a drink always or usually constitutes sexual harassment. Oh, my God. See, that's yeah. that's what I was thinking when you first talked about people objecting or not not even objecting, but just not knowing how to talk to each other in bars, because so much of what I've heard lately um, has veered from actual harassment to, you know, these people won't leave me alone. And I think people are just they're losing the line between like you can start up the conversation and see how it goes, but then you have to be really sensitive to the cues of when somebody doesn't want to be talked to. And right. they, they just, they can't, nobody knows the the ins and outs and the nuances of that anymore. It's right. either you just don't talk to them, or if you do, it's harassment, and there's like nothing in between. Yeah, well, I can't recommend this article more. Like it is so good, and it, and it also does a deep dive. It's like a lot of different studies, a lot of different researchers. So it's not just like one study that came out. It really does a very deep dive into all different kinds of reasons and theories. And oh yeah, it's and really good. Yeah, where, post we'll post the link and everybody read it. Where was yeah. where was the article? In the Atlantic okay. this month. Oh, so it's like seventy thousand words. It's so long, um, but I think 
because it's broken into sections and the sections are literally like porn. Like you're like, okay, I'll keep reading. You know, it's like, it's very well done that you keep reading. Um, it doesn't feel really long. Honestly, it didn't feel as long as I thought it was going to. All right. So that is our show for today. Thanks ladies. Um, let's want to hear from everyone. How, how many echo or Google home products they buy on black Friday. Um, and have everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. Yay. Uh, you can find everything we talked about today on facebook.com slash parenting bites. And of course on parentingbites.com on iTunes, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, share, subscribe. All of those things really help us get found on all those different platforms. You listen to your podcast on. I think you can listen to us on your Amazon echo. <laughs> you can, but it's not straightforward. They need, they need to figure that out. All right. Well, <laughs> you get bonus points if you listen to us that way. <laughs> um, until next week, have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy parenting. We'll, we'll be back um, for the holidays. Don't worry. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>